Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. With no further ado, it's our pleasure to welcome on Former NCAA national champion with Ohio State in 2014. Former NFL linebacker for the Chargers, Seahawks, and Colts. He's a host on The Rally, which is a pregame show for Valley Sports. Joshua Perry. Joshua, how are you doing today, my guy? I'm great. It's uh, I'll tell you right now, it's a fun time to be in the uh, sports talk environment. Absolutely. I mean, the news... NFL especially, uh, but we got the MLB back. We got the NBA headed towards playoffs, the NHL heading towards playoffs. The Masters is just around the corner if you're a golf guy. So, yeah, if you're a sports fan, I mean, what a time of year, you're correct. But, uh, but Josh, let's hop right into it. Let's talk a little bit about your football career. Obviously, you know, extremely exciting that you're, you're a national champion in the NCAA. You had a little bit in the NFL. But talk a little bit about your football journey and your transition into the media scene. Yeah, I mean, football was always fun. I, I think, you know, for that sport specifically, like if you're not having fun playing, then it's hard to be in it. But I started playing at nine years old. I enjoyed it from the first snap that I took uh, playing running back. And it's it's actually funny, like the third play of my first game ever playing football, I scored like a 70 yard touchdown. Um, and, you know, you feel the rush and it's awesome. And I felt that throughout my whole career. Uh, but spent four years at Ohio State is four of the greatest years you could spend there. We had Uh, Urban Meyer is the head coach, and I know he's kind of going through it right now, but um, he was a great mentor to us, and he drove me specifically uh, to find greatness that I didn't know existed. He he had us really set goals and work to attain them, and one of the quotes that stands out in my mind that he had was that your your habits have to align with your goals and dreams, and if they don't, then you have to change either your habits or you have to change your goals and your dreams, and I've always stuck by that. Um, but yeah, I mean, 2014, we won a championship. We had a, uh, a really good roster, a stack team coming back in 2015, played with guys like Joey Bosa, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Eli Apple was the first round pick. Taylor Decker was the first round pick. Uh, Darren Lee, Mike Thomas, who, uh, is down there with the saints right now, Von Bell just played in the super bowl. Like we had some, uh, some really good players out there and I was fortunate, um, I guess it's like you said off the top, I spent three years in the NFL. Um, There were three great years. There were years filled with a lot of joy, um, years filled with a lot of struggle as well, because I played for a couple of teams that weren't that good. And I was a guy who was uh, fighting every day to stay on the roster, uh, playing on special teams and really spending the extra time and the effort. But I think I really grew from that experience because football was always um, easy. And that was a time where, um, you know, you, you had to make decisions based off of the way you wanted your career to go. But, uh, 2018 got my sixth concussion, which was definitely tough and, uh, forced me to find something new to do. I had to step into a different arena and that's where I found sports media. And, uh, naturally having been a a sports guy growing up felt like the right transition, but there were a lot of skills and a lot of habits that correlated where, you know, it's a grind. 
And uh, you've, you've always got to be somebody who is willing to put in a little bit of extra work to get noticed. Um, but I'm as fortunate as can be. I literally love what I do. I tell people all the time, like greatest job in the world. I get to go into an office and I talk sports all day. Like it, it is absolutely amazing. So uh, it's definitely been a fun ride. For sure, for sure. Josh, I just wanted to touch on, obviously, with March Madness going on, uh, the college football playoffs is usually only four teams, obviously. Do you think that's something they should look into maybe expanding, maybe get like eight, 16? Or do you think that would be maybe a little too hard on the body? Like, that's a lot of extra games. Yeah, I'm so back and forth on it. Um, You know, just having experience as a student athlete makes me say one side of it, having experience as somebody who covers football, I have a different perspective now. Um, I think a six-team model in college football is probably the best way to go. And I think this past season was more of an aberration um, than kind of the trend in football where you felt like there was a lot of parity in college football and the rankings changed dramatically from week to week once the CFP started releasing their rankings. And although it was a lot of fun, I think one of the big factors there was that you had some teams that were extremely veteran. Um, with the extra COVID year, you had some guys who wouldn't have been playing college football that ended up making a big impact. They had a little bit extra time to develop and they understood the game a little bit more. That was fun to see. I don't necessarily expect that to remain. Uh, I think that six teams would be extremely competitive. I think there would be an incentive and a buy-in at the end of the year for the first two teams um, because they would get a buy. And then I think you could play Uh, Some of that first round on college campuses is something that people talk about. I think it'd be a lot of fun as you start to venture out into a eight team or a 12 team or even a 16 team model. uh, You get some of the other questions about the length of the season. And you have to understand that these are collegiate athletes um, and they are going through finals and they're beginning their next semester at that point. And so it's very difficult to balance the school with the athletics and in March madness, um, you know, all of the initial games happen so quickly. So it's not too crazy on their schedules. It's basically like if you're a team that's playing in the first couple rounds, you're basically, that's one week out of your life. Uh, whereas for college football, that would have to happen over the course of multiple weeks, just because you need the time in between the games. Um, and then with March madness, there's always that conversation about seating. Like, you know, are some teams overseeded or some teams underseeded? The teams that are kind of on the bubble that get left out, there's always that conversation about how they could have made a run or or what their resume says that they should have been in there. And I think that conversation for college football becomes even deeper because once you do get past probably the top four to six teams, um, it is a little bit of a logjam. Like, you know, you look at teams probably 10 through like 18 in the rankings a lot of times and you're like, boy, it's it's splitting hairs on uh, resumes and some of the performances. And so I think that it would give a lot to talk about on our end as media people, but for the teams that get left out, like there would be some legitimate cases uh, for why they should be in. So in saying that, all for expansion, I think it needs to be done the right way. I would love to see six teams. It's probably going to end up being more. I think it's going to be a ton of fun, uh, but I just I want to make sure that everything is done the right way. Um, So we're really doing right by the student athletes that would be involved. I love it. Yeah. I mean, talk about the different things you have to juggle and take into consideration while talking about expansion, but I definitely think there's that, that void of a little bit of madness uh, Mm -hmm. involved in the playoffs where we could get some upsets, but I do like the six team model where a couple of teams get buys and then you're playing on college campuses, you know, potentially having that. And and 
the the thing not to cut you off that you would oh, get regardless of expansion is um there's a buy-in like we watch people make brackets and they're selecting teams that they've they had watched all year and they start cheering for those teams because they don't want their bracket to go to hell and i think it would be really fun to have that type of buy-in for fans at the end of the year um obviously i played at ohio state ohio state played in the rose bowl um this past season and the amount of Ohio state fans that were upset that they weren't in the college football playoff and didn't want to make the trip out to Pasadena was kind of wild to me because the Rose bowl is one of those historic games. It's the granddaddy of them all for a reason. Pasadena is phenomenal. If you haven't been out there for the Rose bowl, I think it's one of the best places on earth to consume a football game. And so if you had an expanded playoff, you'd have more people interested in the college football postseason. And I think that's really important just for the health of the game. Like, you know, these kids and, and specifically where, it, you know, like kids at max schools, like the Mid-American Conference, a lot of times playing in, in a bowl game is the highlight of their career. And it stinks that people aren't talking about them. And I know with an expanded playoff, you're probably not talking about the Bahamas Bowl, but just the fact that we could put a bigger spotlight on some more schools uh, in the postseason, I think would be an overall benefit to the sport. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, I think you're onto something there. And so we'll, uh, we'll stand by and, and look for some expansion, uh, Joshua, but we're going to shift the focus into the NFL. And, and we mentioned before recording, I mean, I don't know if I remember an off season, this insane, I mean, quarterbacks, it's been the quarterback mm. merry go round in terms of changing teams and, and uh, you know, some star players changing uh, teams and divisions, but I want to start off with Tom Brady. And I know Tom Brady, after losing the playoffs, decides to announce retirement. Uh, it didn't last very long. After two months, he decides that he's going to come back. Do you know something we don't? Uh, you know, Do you have uh, any information that we may not have in terms of what happened in that two months between saying, you know, it's time for my family and moving on from the game, but uh, actually that fire didn't quite extinguish. I'm going to come back. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's wild. Like you can't even call it a retirement. It's it's a literal vacation. Right. And so um, for for a guy like Tom Brady, I have no information on it, except for the fact that we all know he's a competitor. And he was a guy who talked about potentially playing until he was 50. And I think the retirement talk, especially in a year where Tom Brady did not win a Super Bowl, was very confusing to a lot of people. I think it took a lot of us by surprise. Like, here's a guy who is coming off one of the best seasons that he's had statistically. And he decides that he wants to hang it up. I'm like, man, this is absolutely wild. And it seemed like almost immediately there were a lot of people who were like, oh man, this ain't gonna last, Tom Brady's gonna be back. And that's exactly what happened. And I, I just think it shows like, that's how he ticks. Like he is a guy 100% invested in the sport of football. Um, and it's hard to put it down. It's like, why do so many guys go from playing the game and immediately get in the media. It was my deal. It's it's like, you know, I need football injected into my life. I need sports to be a part of my life. I need that rhythm of being in an athletic calendar. Um, that's Tom Brady. And so uh, as you take a look back, obviously, um, the NFC is very wide open. And he probably started to see that with, with a few of the moves that have gone down in free agency. And for him, like, if you feel like you can make a run at it, make a run at it he's the best who's ever done it and when it comes to championships that's what tom does for sure for sure yeah absolutely and, and i mean look around the league i mean like you said some quarterbacks have moved from the nfc to the afc i mean teams 
who have great rosters and, and might have been, I don't I don't like to use the word mediocre, but maybe subpar at the quarterback position have really bolstered that position. And so what we're going to do now, Josh, is we'll uh, we'll walk through some of the teams that have acquired new quarterbacks and we'll talk about what their situation might look like moving into the 2022 season. Sure. Uh, I guess we'll start it off with Russell Wilson. Obviously, he went to yeah. Denver. Um, do you think that's going to give them a nice little bump? I know that division is stacked. You get Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, too. Do you think that's going to be enough for them to be able to compete in that division? They'll be able to compete. Um, and it, it's stacked. Like, I can't – I literally cannot wait to watch the AFC West this year. Just the quarterback play. But you also see teams making moves on defense because they understand the elite quarterbacks that exist there. Um, what Denver has is they have a good run game and they've got a really good defense. And that's where we've seen Russell Wilson be successful throughout his career in Seattle. When they were making runs at championships, they had statistically uh, elite defenses and they had uh, a guy in Marshawn Lynch who was a really good running back. And it allowed Russell to go out there and, and he is an elite quarterback, but he didn't have to be elite all the time. He could go out there and just play his part and they could be successful. And I think that's what they're building in Denver. So as you kind of look at that thing, I have no idea how it's going to finish over there in that division. But Denver is absolutely a contender now simply for making that move. Absolutely. Let's move on into, you know, kind of one that that definitely shocked the, the football world with Deshaun Watson moving to Cleveland. Uh, I mean, another team, like you said, strong on the defensive side of the football, has maybe the best backfield in football. And now you add in Deshaun Watson, the guy who's just incredibly talented. What does that do for the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, I mean, it, that puts them right there, too. And I think they started taking a look around at um, what happened in Cincinnati. And they were like, man, I feel like we could absolutely replicate this if we had the right guy at quarterback. And, and the Deshaun Watson thing, obviously – it has a, a lot of pieces to it with some of the civil suits that are still out there. Um, and, you know, this is not to get caught up in all of that strictly football conversation because, um, you know, they're going to have to be able to answer to those questions. But um, being an Ohio guy, there's a lot of Cleveland Browns fans and they were so torn on the Baker Mayfield aspect of this because a lot of people thought that Baker Mayfield was a guy who deserved more respect from Cleveland he brought them back from 0 and 16 to to winning games to making the playoffs in the first time since forever. Um, you know, like people feel like he did a lot for the city of Cleveland. But if you're an organization, you look back and you say, okay, this guy has held us back in certain instances for being a good starter level quarterback, but not being elite. And a lot of people believe that Deshaun Watson's a top five quarterback in the NFL when he's playing his best ball. So you insert him in there. You mentioned the backfield. Nick Chubb, like turn around, hand on the ball. I feel like that is a really good game plan. But then you also look at a guy like Amari Cooper, who um, price tag was definitely high in Dallas, and that's why they had to make a move off of him. But at the same time, he's a productive wide receiver. You look at Njoku, who they franchise tagged, like that's a big tight end weapon that you want to have. And uh, Cleveland had been making moves defensively. Like they were supposed to be uh, a really good defense, and I think schematically they had some issues. But they've got players in place to where – you feel like they can make a run at it. Now, as you look around at the AFC North, you've got Lamar Jackson over there with the Ravens, and that's going to be a good squad. And you've obviously, um, you know, you've got the AFC champs down there in, in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow, and um, they've been making a lot of moves in free agency to make sure they could take care of that offensive line. So that's going to be another one of those. It's going to be a meat grinder. But um, Deshaun Watson is, if you feel like quarterback was the thing holding the Cleveland Browns back, that's the missing link right there. For sure. What about Carson Wentz? Obviously, he went to the Commanders. Um, 
How do you feel about that one? I know he got a little bit of heat. There was some articles coming out that he wasn't the first choice there, but he's coming. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um, I mean, to win that division, I mean, they probably only need about six wins to get it done, I assume. So right. what do you think? I, I mean, <laughs> he wouldn't have been my first choice either. And the thing <laughs> that you hear about him is that, you know, he's kind of burned bridges and in, in been difficult to work with. Um, they said in Philly that he was a guy who, um, you know, was contrarian, kind of created friction within the organization. They said in Indy, it was a little bit of a similar thing. And you can also boil that situation down in Indy too, to a team that had really good defense, really good run game. And at the end of the year, quarterback wasn't making the plays that he needed to get them into the playoffs. They're sitting right in position to get in playoffs, beat the Jaguars, the miserable Jaguars team. And, and we're having a maybe a little bit of a different conversation. Um, and so he goes to Washington. I think you're right about the division. Like, I don't know how many wins it's going to take. Carson Wentz. It's hard, right? Because you got uh, a guy who was highly drafted and well-regarded and he's played well at moments in his career, but like you're looking at your third team now. This is absolutely not how you would have planned your career. Um, I don't have high expectations for what he's going to be able to do in Washington. Some of his decision-making I find at times too, Joshua. I mean, you'd be playing fairly consistent. It's just that one play, that one big turnover, and, and and there's the game and um but yeah. yeah right we'll see i mean i feel bad for a guy like terry mclaurin and antonio gibson like they do have some nice pieces there in washington obviously you know chase young coming off the edge and and they've got a great defense but is a guy like carson wants to see the answer there in washington i guess that's to be seen but let's talk about uh, indianapolis the matty ice coming in to replace carson I mean, Maddie, I don't know if he gets enough love. I mean, the MVP in 2016, since 2016, right. he's led the league in passing yards. I mean, we look at that Atlanta Falcons team since Julio Jones has left. I mean, last year we got Calvin Ridley injured most of the year. And then now, you know, with the uh, with the allegations outside of football. But I look at the backfield in Atlanta. It hasn't been overly strong since Maddie's been there. I mean, what do you think he could do with a back like Jonathan Taylor and a coach like Frank Reich? I mean, do you like uh, Indianapolis' chances now with Maddie Ice? Yeah, I mean, gutted roster down in Atlanta, and I'm sure that the Falcons flirting with Deshaun Watson probably didn't sit well with him. You know, they were telling him, Hey, you know, we're going to wait until we, we pay this roster bonus just to see what happens here. And it's like, bro, like, why, why are you putting me through this? And and I agree. Maybe he's not what he was um, six years ago, but I think he's still a very solid quarterback. And you mentioned it there in Indy, Jonathan Taylor, best running back in the league, arguably right now. Um, that's, that's a great asset to have there defensively really strong team. I think they they felt like they could lean on their defense in a lot of situations and they've got some turnover um, with coaching there that they have to get sorted out. But that that is a situation where a veteran quarterback can walk in, instantly have success. And that's another one of those where you start to look around and you play the Texans twice a year, they're going to be absolutely terrible. Um, you play the Titans and you feel like they have an average quarterback, so that's definitely gettable. And the Jaguars, they're trying to put pieces around Trevor Lawrence. And they I think they made a really good hire in Doug Peterson, but I think it's still going to be a work in progress. So Indy right now, you can look around and say it's a front runner in their division. And that is because they have a quarterback who you said Carson Wentz makes the questionable decisions. Matt Ryan's not going to do that. He's going to make the right pass. And that's kind of the system there with Frank Reich, too, is like, you just got to be 111th in the offense and they can be successful. Absolutely. Before we talk about a couple other quarterbacks who, you know, are finding new homes, let's talk about Duvall for a minute and talk about uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, you get rid of Miles Jack, who led the defense in tackles last year, finds a new home in Pittsburgh. But then you kind of, you know, bring in a bunch of 
new offensive weapons. I mean, you you pay Christian Kirk, uh, you bring in Evan Ingram. I mean, should we expect anything from the Jacksonville Jaguars this year, a step in the right direction? I think a step in the right direction, but I, I don't expect entirely too much. It almost feels like they're throwing around money because they had a ton of cap space and they've got a new coach and they're really trying to get things turned around. They want to prove to people that they're trying to win, but I'm not exactly sure that it's going to all come together the way that they need to. Uh, for young quarterbacks, I think having a year one in dysfunction can be detrimental. And so for Trevor Lawrence, I think a lot of what they have to do with him is not anything with his uh, his skill set, anything with his abilities. It's about making him comfortable that he can trust people and that he can go out and play football. And so Doug Peterson will be able to do that. You mentioned the weapons. I think they're good moves. I just like, I look there and I, I feel like there's so many pieces that they have to put in that puzzle to get it to a place where they're going to be competitive in the AFC like they were in, you know, 2016 or whatever the case was. Yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, where they're making playoff runs. Like I just don't feel that right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it feels like the last two years, it's kind of been drama filled with this guy. Uh, you never really know what to expect. He's sitting out. He's, he's upset with the green Bay management, but green Bay, I'd say a few weeks ago, he says he's going to come back. He's going to sign a four-year deal. He kind of says that uh, some of the specifics of the deal aren't confirmed, but he's coming back to Green Bay. And then a few days later, they trade Devontae Adams, his guy, the best receiver in football, to Las Vegas. So, you know, what's the deal in Green Bay? What's going on with Aaron Rodgers? Is he coming back? So the report that really was eye-opening to me was uh, the one that said that he knew that Devontae was going to be gone when he signed that new contract. And I think we're seeing this a little bit, and we'll talk about uh, one of these moves that was made uh, the day that we're recording this in a sec. But, like, there are some guys – for Aaron Rodgers, I don't think that his – the he wants to win championships. I don't think championships are the only thing for Aaron Rodgers because if that was the case, he wouldn't have taken so much money. He would have left a little bit more money on the table for the Packers to be able to make some other moves um, like Tom Brady has done time and time again in his football career for Aaron Rodgers, Like he wants the respect of being the best quarterback in the league. And how do you show me the respect? How many zeros are you going to put on my paycheck? That's the ultimate sign of respect for a lot of guys. And I totally understand that, but it feels like a guy who says, okay, the Super Bowl is secondary. You need to give me my flowers right now. Um, And it's totally fine for him to feel like that. The other thing with Devontae that was uh, really unique was when the conversation was happening about the franchise tag, I think that really pissed him off. And he might've made a decision that he wanted to go somewhere where he was going to be able to get the contract that he deserved rather than being tagged. And Green Bay, although they kind of stepped back and said, okay, we might be able to work with you on a contract offer. He said, you know what, I'm going to go somewhere else where I know that they want me. I'm going to play with a guy who I've played with before and we had success in college and uh, they're going to be able to make a run there in Las Vegas as well. We talked about the stack division, but you know, you're still talking about a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Uh, you're still talking about weapons that they have offensively. You're still talking about a defense that put Max Crosby, who they signed to a big extension with Chandler Jones. And so now you got bookend rushers that are going to be able to get after some of those quarterbacks over there in the AFC West. Like to me, I, it's, it, it's unique. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is different than probably what a lot of quarterbacks are. Um, but I think he's totally comfortable being the guy in Green Bay getting paid a ton of money and he'll still probably be able to win his division and they'll make the playoffs. Um, But I'll throw this out here is Aaron Rodgers is um, 
one and four in NFC championship games. And a lot of times they aren't making it out of the divisional round. So, um, you know, even if he said we're going to take less money to try to make a run in the Super Bowl, nothing is guaranteed. And I think he realizes that as well. Yeah, I mean, well said. And I mean, looking at Las Vegas too, bringing in the offensive mind of Josh McDaniels. I mean, you know, looking with the Hunter Renfro's and the Darren Wallers of the world and the Josh Jacobs. I mean, that's going to be a scary offense. And like you said, mm-hmm. bringing in Chandler Jones. I mean, you know, what a talented team, what an interesting case study that's going to be. But let's look, you know, kind of around the NFL. We'll talk about the Raiders and we'll talk about the Dolphins, who, you know, just made a big splash today, bringing in Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, are there any teams that uh, you've been impressed with, with the moves they've made and, you know, moving forward outside of the quarterback position, we talked about Lyle Collins and, and the offensive line being bolstered in Cincinnati. Are there any teams that you're like, these guys have made some great moves and they're going to be a powerhouse next year? Yeah. Cincinnati did the right thing with the offensive line. I think that's a big one that stands out because they were, they were literal one block away from potentially winning the Super Bowl there at the end of the game. So you absolutely love that. If you are a Bengals fan, I look at the Chargers. I think the Chargers have had a really good free agency. They signed J.C. Jackson on their defense. And, um, you know, they got Asante Samuel Jr. out there, who is a really good player. Um, you know, they've, they've got some pieces. Uh, Derwin James is a guy who's been a little bit banged up, but you feel like he's a great player. They go out, they trade for Khalil Mack, and they put him next to Joey Bosa, I guess, on the other side of the line of scrimmage from Joey Bosa. And it's like, holy moly, how are you going to block those two guys? Um, so defensively, you feel like they're stacked. and then. Um, they were able to sign Mike Williams to an extension as well. And he's a big wide receiver that can make plays. And what the Chargers said, and everybody is taking notice of this, is we've got a young quarterback who is probably a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, might be the second best quarterback in that division, who uh, is still on a rookie deal. So we're getting him at a hell of a discount right now, which means we got money to spend elsewhere. And we're going to put together a roster that we feel like can make a run at a Super Bowl. Um, I am 100% here for what they're doing. And if you talk about free agency winners and losers, I know that we talk about a bunch of teams in the AFC West, and there there have been teams that have made more moves recently. But the Chargers, man, the way that they came out the gate swinging in free agency, I'm like, these guys are ready to make a run at a Super Bowl. For sure. Yeah. Just to switch gears to the drafts coming up next month, obviously. Uh, the NFL draft, probably the most important out of the big four sports. I mean, these players can come in and make an impact right away. Is there any guys we should be looking out for coming up in the draft or even some guys maybe that are like maybe a little low down that you think could be really make a splash coming in? Yeah, so there are a, a handful of guys. Like the quarterbacks are, are really unique to me right now um, because it's not a stacked quarterback class, but I think that there are some – the traits that – the top guys have Matt Corral, a Kenny Pickett, a Malik Willis are traits that you can develop if you can put them in a situation where they don't have to be the guy right away. So I like that. You pair that with wide receivers that are coming out this year. Um, you got Jamison Williams from Alabama who had the ACL tear in the national championship. But the dude is like the best deep threat wide receiver in this class. You got Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson coming out of Ohio State who are two really good players. I'll make an instant impact. Jahan Dotson out of Penn State is a wide receiver that I like. And uh, I know a lot of people have him as a first round pick. I think even in the first round, he's still going to be a little bit undervalued because he's probably there at the end of the first round. I've watched that kid for the last three years uh, covering Big Ten football. 
and he is going to be an instant impact player. I really like what he does. Um, you look at a couple of guys defensively, Aiden Hutchinson has been getting a lot of the headlines as a pass rusher, and Kayvon Thibodeau has been getting a lot of the headlines as well. Both of those guys are elite athletes. Um, they bend well. They have great get-off. Like, they're going to be guys who can terrorize offenses. I look at a cat like George Karloftis out of Purdue, and um, he is he might be the best one out of the group. And I know that's probably going to be a hot take there. But um, flip on the game that Purdue played against Notre Dame. They double and triple teamed him the entire game. They did not have answers to block him. This is Notre Dame football we're talking about. They didn't have answers to block George Karloftis. He is a guy who is strong at the point of attack. He's a guy with a hellacious motor. He's got really strong hands. He knows how to bend and dip um, and, and get underneath guys so he can capture the edge. But he's also a really good point of attack guy in the run game. So you can place him on different spots along the defensive line. For me, that's like my draft diamond. And he's probably going to be a first-round pick. I just don't think he's getting the play that he deserves right now. Certainly exciting. At the end of the month, I mean, we'll be gearing up, checking out the mock drafts and gearing up for the prospects to come in. But uh, we're running out of time, Joshua, so we're going to play a couple games with you. You all set, ready to rock? I'll explain Let's the game. rock and roll. So we're two Canadian kids, and, and we're, you know, with the March Madness going on and just even the NCAA in general, we kind of trade back and forth different NCAA schools and try to pick out what state they're from. And, you know, we know the 50 states, but we're terrible with locating some of the schools. So Nate's going to fire some schools at you. And then we're going to play this a quick rather. All right. Okay. All Ready right. So <clears throat> let's okay, go. We'll get her going. Murray State. Oh, gosh. Uh, Murray State is in, in, in Kansas. Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, man. You got it. Okay. Duke. North Carolina. Yep, two for two. Okay, here's our uh, – this was our, our sleeper pick in March Madness, Longwood. Longwood. Oh, boy. Um, man, and their, the men's and women's team both made the tournament this year. Longwood is in Texas. I don't know. <laughs> Virginia. Ah! It's tough. It's <laughs> tough. Uh, Chattanooga. Tennessee. Yep. Yeah. Boom. We, we struggled with it just because we didn't we're, know. We haven't gone right. <laughs> uh, and last one's Gonzaga. Uh, that's Washington. Yep. Four West Coast. Mean, we want to talk about elite. That's elite. Yeah, yeah, that's easy work I mean, there. <laughs> um, but, uh, but Joshua, so we're going to play a little Would You Rather now. So I'm going to give you some situations. Um, and you're going to say which one you would rather. So we'll start things off. Would you rather meet Derek Henry one-on-one -on -one in the A-gap or get blindsided in the pocket by an unblocked Aaron Donald. All right. So here's, <laughs> here's the deal on that is right. I actually met Derrick Henry. It wasn't in the A gap. It was probably a B gap in uh, the, the sugar bowl semifinal uh, Alabama versus Ohio state. One of my favorite games I ever played in. So I've done that before. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, let me tell you, it, it takes a couple guys to bring him down. Um, Absolutely no to Aaron Donald blindsiding me. That dude is a freaking robot. There's no chance I'm trying to get into any type of physical tussle with that. So that's an easy one. So you, you've you met Derek Henry. Yes, and Derek Henry, y'all can't really see how big I am. He's my size. Toting the rock. Like, there's nobody my size that should be carrying the football. The dude is a freaking nature. Yeah, he's incredible to watch. Um, but, okay, so let's talk. 
coverage linebacker. Are you taking on CMC out of the backfield or Darren Waller on, up the seam? Who? <laughs> All right. Um, Darren Waller up the seam. And, and here's the reason why. This is not a knock on Waller because he probably run right by me. But there's a chance that the pass rush could get to him before the quarterback could throw the ball. And it's one of those that we would see on tape in film review, but like I don't get embarrassed in the stadium. CMC coming out the backfield, he is going to shake me as soon as he catches the ball. Like I'm going to be there picking up my ankle braces, like wondering why I even started playing football. So I'm going to go with that choice only because I know it's going to be right there, happening quick, point of attack, high likelihood of getting embarrassed. The other one, there is a likelihood it's just a little bit smaller. I like it. I like it. All right. Would you rather lose the NCAA National Championship game to Michigan or <laughs> win the lottery and lose the ticket? Win the lottery, lose the ticket. Wow. <laughs> win the lottery, lose the ticket. It's it's that deep. Um, I, I mean, you know, you win the lottery, you lose the ticket. Oh, I had it. I didn't have it. Like your life doesn't change that much. Uh, you, you, you lose to Michigan in national championship as an Ohio state guy and your life changes a lot. For sure. And there's, there's a pent up rivalry there. From oh yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Joshua, man, we can't thank you enough for coming and joining us, man. Like taking some time and chatting football and chatting sports. I mean, thank you so much for, for doing this.